Hello, I'm Tavin Allen, and welcome to OK, So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. You know what street jokes are. Uh, a crab and a seagull are sitting on top of a sandcastle. You know, that sort of thing. Street jokes are awesome. And every episode, we invite our guests to come on and tell us their favorite street joke. Uh, sometimes it works, but this episode, you'll see. This episode, our guest is Haji Outlaw. He's a comedian out of the Chicago area. He has a book of short stories that's coming out in the new year, 2024, uh, and it's called Candlelight Dinner in the Devil's Comedy Store. Make sure you check that out. Uh, there's links to his socials where you can get all the details there. So now, please welcome Haji Outlaw. How are you, Haji? I'm good. Haji, yeah. Haji, Mr. Outlaw. Can I call you Haji? Oh. Haji. Either one. Nice. <laughs> I guess we got to start there. Where'd you get the name Haji Outlaw? I'm, I, unless, you know, in the same way that Cooper is the last name of people whose ancestors made barrels, right? Oh. And, yeah. you know, Smith is like, you know, blacksmiths who are doing yeah. metals. I assume Haji Outlaw means you know. Yeah, I, I, I've asked this question to my family a few times. Um, <laughs> yeah, but li- literally the family name is Outlaw. My, my mother. Are you serious? Geraldine Outlaw. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like I, I'm actually related to guy who played in the NBA from where my whole family's from in uh, Mississippi, Clarksdale, Mississippi, Travis Outlaw, who played for the Portland Trailblazers. No way. Uh, I'm not related to Bo Outlaw. He okay. He played for the uh, Orlando Magic. Right. I, I, st- I don't know. I don't know exactly how the name came about. I just read that or my family told me like my six time great grandfather, J.D. Outlaw, uh-huh. patented the horseshoe. That's what I was told. So he's in there with the Smith is what he's in there with. So exactly. Yeah. I get the feeling over the negotiation tables like, OK, this is designed for the horseshoe. And Smith is like, OK, fine. How do you want to break this? up? I was like, we need to figure out whose names are whose. All right. It's like and Smith went, uh, well, I'm going to be making this as a blacksmith, so I'll take the name Smith. And I think uh, it, uh, he's saying, and you'll take Outlaw. I was like, well, why? Yeah. I don't know. Let's say. And then he would steal the patent. That was my hope. Uh, that's what I was kind of hoping, too. Yes. Uh, that I could have some thievery in the yes, family exactly. to start it off. Right. But I, I've, I've found no hard details for any of the and where it's come from. All I know from the name Haji, my mom saw the name in a book and liked it. Right. See, here's – so, okay, so it, it's weird that, you, that, that you've got that, but I think it's it's great. It, already you start rattling off uh, outlaws that are in the NBA and that have sport – that are famous and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't – Darcy, how many finders have you got uh, in, in any professional sport? None. Yeah? Yeah. There is – Like, I claim, ooh. like, Nylander, like, because it's sort of – Okay, sounds. sure, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice try. Nice try, Darcy. What do you do around here anyway? I uh, there there is one Van Allen that has made it into the bigs, and that is Sean Van Allen. He used to play for the Calgary Flames and uh, the Ooh. Ottawa Senators, who are my team. And ah. so I'm able to actually get a player's name on my back that is mine. So and but ah. but but I'm not that loser that's like, oh, I'm going to get my last name on the team shirt. No, there's no, you know. There's no Guggenheims that play for the Blue Jays. Get that off your back. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering when I played sports. I played baseball in college and basketball mm-hmm. and baseball before. Right. We never had a team where I, ha- I, I got to have my name on the back of my uniform, and that's what I really wanted. Right. Because I, I, never, I never got to high enough level where I could, where I could get it stiffed on the back. Uh-huh. So, it I would for me. If I were you, I would chase down all the outlaws that are in professional sports, 
start supporting those teams and just put them on your back. That's that's all you need to do, right? It exactly. would it would break it would break my heart if Sean Van Allen's only team that he played for is the Toronto Maple Leafs because I fucking hate them. It would it would make me sad, and then I'd have yeah. very reluctantly, you know, buy a new shirt every year because I would burn it eventually. <laughs> So, uh, so sorry. Where are you dialing in from? Where, uh, where, where's home for you? I'm in Chicago. Oh, you're from? Okay, yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One, one of our favorite cities. Darcy and I vacationed there uh, in nice. February. It was not nice. It was actually it was ripping cold. Yeah. It was. <laughs> we went. We went to see an uh, like a podcast taping, and okay. they they had scheduled it for February. That's right. when we went. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had a buddy, I buddy who's in LA and he's like, I want to visit you in Chicago, but I don't want to go when it's bad weather. And I'm like, wait till April. Yeah. That's pretty much what you got to do. Cause I'm like, it's fifties or 60 degrees now. Like you don't want to go from LA to that. No. Uh huh. And then the next time I went, uh, I went with a buddy of mine for a sports weekend, uh, where we saw the Raptors play and the Blackhawks play the Predators, uh, January 4th. Yeah. That's, 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 that's frozen zone right there. Right. I have I have since fired my travel agent as you should have. <laughs> so 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 you were born born and raised in in uh, in uh, Chicago. Yeah, uh, born and raised. Grew up on the South Side around middle school, seventh grade. I went to the first suburb north, which is Evanston, which is where Northwestern University is at. Uh, and and so yeah, grew up there. And then in college, I was in Atlanta for one year at Emory. Transferred to Florida A and M, right? Uh, and then I lived in LA for about ten, eleven years, mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm back in Chicago. Okay, yeah, that's uh, so you basically lap the country, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So what? So when? So when did the stand up bug kick in? Because not, like I've been able to do stand up in Chicago. It's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a great town for comedy. Period, but it does tend more towards improv. Which is which oh, yeah. makes sense. So the uh, the 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 comedy scene for for stand up is not as prevalent. So like, how did you sort of did, is that where you started, or how did you find your way, or like what what opened this up for you? Uh, it was kind of twofold. Um, for me, comedy, I always just liked comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was a kid, I was eight or nine years old, and I loved Eddie Murphy. Thank you. And Ed, Eddie Murphy had his Raw movie coming out in '87. I want to say it was. My mom liked Richard Pryor new comedy, so she was like, "Oh no, you're not going." To <laughs> but I was with my dad like the following weekend, mm-hmm. and either he didn't know who, who Eddie was or he didn't care because I was like, "Can we go see Raw?" He's like, "Sure." Good. And I remember, I remember ten minutes into the movie, looking over to my dad and just giving him a look like, "I should not be listening to this." No, and no. He's just like, well, "Whatever," and just <laughs> the whole thing out. Well, so you're going to hear those words soon anyway, and you might as well get used to homophobia. So there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was the first time. And then I'd, I'd always watched comedy, watched stand up all the time. Mm-hmm. And I got out of college and I got a real job. And I, cause I never liked talking in front of people. Otherwise, I would have started earlier. Uh, but after I had like a first real job and I had like a Christmas party, I was like, oh, stand up cannot be worse than this. This is uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with my little phobia of talking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I broke, broke that and I started doing comedy all through the city. Uh, I'd like done shows with like Dion Cole and Hannibal Burris, who I'm still tight with and TJ Miller, Kumail, a lot of different people who are big now. Mm-hmm. Uh, bef- before we go into, uh, into Hannibal, um, cause you know, I've, I've met him a, a couple times as well. Yeah. I want to go back to Eddie Murphy because that's, 
that was kind of like my launching point as well. Ah, where so admittedly there was a. Uh, it, it's funny you, you also mentioned your your mom knowing and being afraid of Richard Pryor mm. because the first album comedy album I ever bought was a compilation album, and it had it started with like Abbott and Costello, who's on first, right? Yeah. It had mm. Lily Tomlin, it had Richard Pryor, Flip Wilson. George Carlin, like, like all of this, right? Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, okay. Uh, and, and as, as I always say, it was that album because I grew up in small town, Ontario, uh, in the, in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. When I heard Richard Pryor, it was the first time I heard a black person say the N word. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's how it's supposed to be used. Okay. I, for, from that point on, I felt very uncomfortable upon the utterance of anyone with less melanin than him. Oh. But, but, it, but it's funny you mentioned cause like Eddie Murphy, because of his presence on SNL and, 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 and whatever he, his first album before delirious, mm. I thought was brilliant. Like, like I, I kind of bought those at the same time and then delirious was just uh, what it was. Right. And yeah, then yeah. raw came out and I can't think of anyone who had like a theater release comedy album since no one, no, one. no. like. It's, it's, it's still kind of a one-on-one. Like I remember that being a busy theater and it was multiple tickets and it was, I was sitting in the back third of the theater. Right. I I can remember all that. I'm like, I thought that was normal as a kid, but now I'm like, no one had any, the only thing I saw in theaters was uh, the Kings of comedy tour. We had four, we had four guys, but other than that, you never see anyone in the theater. No. How, uh, so, so how old were you when you saw, when you saw raw? I think I was eight, eight or nine. Okay. Eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just, so like I'm, about eight to 10 years older than you are. Cause I saw it in the theater yeah. right around, right around high school time. All right. And it was it, like, it was such a moment, you know, to, to, to be on the back of delirious, which you could rent in store or like, you just listen to the album or whatever. Oh. Right. All right. But then for that feed to go into the theaters was just like, again, there wasn't anything since prior. I don't think. Yeah. Right. It would have been prior. I think was, yeah. was the one, but prior to that. No, no. Yeah, it would have had to have been, but that would have been like prior, prior is either the, uh, that 77 or 78 when he mm-hmm. did in Torrance with the, uh, we had like the red silk shirt that he was sweating through. Oh, that was, um, um I'm blank on the name of that album. Um, it wasn't Sunset Strip. No, that was, that was like two or three, three or four years later, I would right. say. Yeah. God, what was it? Cause it was I, Rich, I think it was just Richard Pryor Live. I think it was right. Richard Pryor I think, Live. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I remember that one because it's funny you mentioned the shirt because I also remember that and the lead in was his was his heart heart attack bit yeah but don't breathe it was like like that yeah and the the beautiful the beautiful part of that too if if you watch it it's just his audacity of the show starts at eight I don't care who's still fight like he starts the show people are still yeah. finding their seats yeah and he's yeah. like that, that is a that's a brilliant part. Like I remember I've watched that several times mm-hmm. and basically his opening 10 minutes is about two thirds of Def Jam. Right. He's just calling out white people. Here's white people sitting in black people. See, he's doing white, black stuff. He's doing all crowd work. I'm like, that's two thirds of what Def Jam became like 15 years later. It was just, and it was like, I think Patty LaBelle or someone opened up for him. Right. And like, he just came out, no big announcement, just walk out on stage. I was just like, it was nutty to me, like to be that confident in a special to do that. It's, it's mind blowing to me. Have you have you performed in theaters? Have you have yeah, you? I've done a few. Yeah. What? Um. How how do you how do you like the? Uh, well, first of all, like what's what size of room do you like? 
do you like performing at? Do you like, do you like a theater? Do you like a, like a club? Um, what, like what, what's your sweet spot? Sweet spot would probably be something under a thousand people, but mm-hmm. probably more than 300. Right. So like a big club or a small theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, one of the biggest ones I did was probably 2,500. Right. Uh, uh, the first one I know was 1500. It was great lakes, naval base. It was some big event they had there. Um, but in general, once it gets kind of too big and you like, it's just weird when you're in a theater, the amount of time it takes for the laughter to get to you. And then in, yeah. you have to kind of slow your pace down a little bit, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know. That's why I don't understand how Kevin Hart does like 40,000 seater. I'm like that. That's, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of pacing you have to have to do that. Um, but I'd like around a thousand or like a big club, small theater. That's, that's, that'd be my sweet spot. I think, I think at the point that you're doing 40,000 people, you've got it narrowed down to a performance. Like it's not, yeah. it's not an act at that point. It's not, it's not a routine. You are delivering a performance. Like it might as well be theater, right? Yeah. You're effectively yeah. doing a one person funny lay Miz, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's it. And just like using as much space and acreage as you can on the stage, having the camera follow you, you've got screens beside you. It's yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny you mentioned that wave of laughter where you're waiting for, mm-hmm. You, you say the joke and then it hits the back and then it comes back again. Yeah. Bloody nightmare. It, it, I, actually, I adjusted. I liked it because it allowed me because I like I sometimes I talk a little fast when I start, but it forced me to slow down. Right. But if, if you're not used to that, it, it'll throw you because you're like, oh, here comes the laughter and you're, start, you're starting to tell another joke. and You're like, oh, I got to wait for this to die down. Yep. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a pacing. It's mm-hmm. a tough pace. Yeah. And the other benefit, less material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you can, you can skate along. What, what's like 15 minutes in a small club is probably 20 in a theater. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, you just you sit there. It's kind of like when the reward for winning your round in a cooking show is not cooking. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It's just, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's like I can do less jokes now and it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so who so was so you mentioned Hannibal Burris and, and a few other comments. Is Hannibal like one of your contemporaries, like when you started doing stand up or like who who would be part of your crew at that point that when you were starting out, people that we would know? Um starting out in Chicago, yeah, it would have been Hannibal. I think when mm-hmm. I started doing stand up, Hannibal was kind of known in the city, but he hadn't gone to like Montreal or done any TV or anything yet. And then Dion Cole, I think, had already done barbershop. Okay. Uh, maybe TJ Miller was probably around the same time, but I think he started a little bit earlier than me. Right. Um, so he would have been kind of in that same class with Kamale. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of any other, there's no other like big, I guess, bigger names I can think of, but like we're all, all kind of on the same era, same time period of those, all those guys, except for Dion, who was already in a movie. Right. Where we were like at the same open mics, same clubs, mm-hmm. hit road, hit the road at different points together, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's funny. Like of those two names is like, I've met Hannibal. I was, I was, I was with him and cause I knew Rory Scovel and he oh, was, yeah, he was from uh, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, he yeah. was opening yeah. for him and he's like, Hey, you want to come to the green room? I'm like, uh, sure. You know, hello, Mr. Burris. Mm. You know, that's it. Mm. I got to bring him to the stage in Calgary at like, he just happened to be in, in town and he did an open mic on a Monday night. So I got to bring him mm-hmm. to stage there and like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny as well when uh, when you mentioned Kumail, we had him on kind of the previous iteration of this podcast. He, he kind of did a phone in, and uh, one like if you look at those two, two 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 people got really big. Hannibal got big because of drawing a clig light to something that was horrific, and yeah. uh, <laughs> Kumail got big for getting big, like physically yeah. big. 
Yeah, that kind of propelled those, those kind of, that kind of weird kind of steps in their entertainment hierarchy to be like a weird thing. I remember because Hannibal, like he would even talk about that. He didn't like talking about the coffee stuff because mm-hmm. it really it, it really was just like a flippant thing. He just kind of did like you guys don't know this. Right. It wasn't like a, 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 like a fully thought out bit or anything. It was just like a weird thing. And for Kumail, yeah, he just got diesel all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, he's diesel. And oh, oh, he's going to be in the Marvel movie. Okay. Uh, cool. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. I just have, yeah. yeah. You know, if you have to pick a project, sure. Yeah. You know, there are worse things. Mm-hmm. So, so when, so when you, fin- when you finished in Florida, you went to LA. Now, LA, I am assuming, is where you, where you were doing more comedy, kind of pursuing that. Like, as you were going, yeah. because you started in Chicago, when you were hitting your universities, you're, I assume you're still working on comedy as you're going through school and stuff like that. No, I started doing stand up after I got out of college. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. What yeah, so I was probably 23 or 24 when I started. Yeah. Okay. What did you go through yeah. college for? What was what was the original plan? Uh, well, original plan for me was to play professional baseball. So I was playing baseball in college at Florida A&M. My mom, because I was good at math, I, I picked electroengineering in high school just because the profession made a lot and I'm, I was good at math. Mm-hmm. So my degree is in electroengineering. Right. Yeah. See, uh, I have a degree in mathematics. Ah, very yeah. similar. Thank yeah. You. You know, because math is just like jokes, <laughs> right? One and one, one of the same. Setup <laughs> plus more setup equals punchline. No, that's fucking horrible. My, um, I, uh, uh it, it, I, I do find it funny, like, you know, when, when you see sort of like the, 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 the educational path of a lot of, of a lot of comics and stuff like that, like they always sort of have like this one thing and it's usually something like, like as, as much as we dismiss like oh engineering mathematics there is something that it adds right like there, it's 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 being able to break down a problem and and reassemble it into a solution and i find like that's the sort of like kind of mindset like like what's your approach like when you're writing like 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 do you, do you find a lot of engineering work in that or is it just like a completely different thing because i find with mine i'm like what's my problem here and i'll start i'll start seeing myself breaking it down into individual parts and going oh that that bit i think relates to this and this and that and you put it together that way and then it's a joke uh, about my wiener so oh, what am i doing yeah like uh, like what's your what's your process uh my process is i guess it is now that you mentioned it i guess it is kind of analytical or mathematical because basically it'll be something that like in the world it's like either hypocrisy or just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. And like, it just, it'll just interest me to a point where I'm like, okay, let me make a joke about that. Right. And I kind of start piecing the bits together being like, when I write it out, I write it out in a very mathematical way. We're like, okay, this is a big point. Here's some little points. Here's mm-hmm. the big, another big joke. Here's the little points after it. Right. And I build it into one whole, one whole bit that way usually. Right. And it's, it, it, I was waiting for you to say, I get a spreadsheet. Yeah. I actually, I could write out all my jokes by hand. I don't write anything. on a Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Now. Uh, my okay, so mine is like yes, the the core writing of it, like the actual vomit on the page, that is pen and paper for mm-hmm. sure, and then I refine it with a computer. Like I take it to the things, yeah. like okay, so like now I got it, and then I have like in my notes app, uh, my, my my notes application, all the jokes are there. So like I go, how does this joke go again? And I've got just like the point forms of like this is the beat, this is the beat, this is the beat, this is the beat. Uh, right. Because yeah, do you I, have I, any I, more I like drunken? Sorry, sort of interrupt. I just right. I, I remember drinking with you todd yes and part of your uh writing style would be to leave yourself drunken messages yes what we're talking like oh 
wait, just like I remember that. Right. <laughs> Call yourself mm-hmm. and leave yourself a <laughs> Right. Did any of that actually turn into anything? So, so Hadji, uh, just, <clears throat> just, uh, I do have a few more years of age on you. So back in the day, we had answering machines, little tape deck machines <laughs> that sat <laughs> beside your phone at home. Now, I know you're asking, why would you leave your phone at home? Well, that's all we had. The phone didn't come with you. It was at home, stuck to a wall. And so your phone machine would answer calls for you while you were away. And there were times when I would come up with a joke idea, as Darcy says, and it would be in the wee hours. You know, there, there, was, there was a couple of shandies that had been uh, imbibed. And I go, oh, I got to remember that idea. So I would call my, my answering machine. And leave the joke there. And then in the morning, I'd wake up and I'd press play and go, oh, I got some messages. And uh, and then I'd hear myself garbling through some premise and um, go, well, that's not useful at all. <laughs> or, but, but then I realized, and this was years later, I was like, that whole process could be replaced by a small little notepad with a golf pencil. Yeah. Yeah, but your actually your process is is kind of like uh, similar to Tarantino's when he writes. Is that right? I heard what he said. He said, "Yeah, when he's, when he's writing scripts, he'll have ideas, and he, usually he'll have, he'll get high uh-huh. at night, have ideas, and jot them down. Right. And then if he if he like, wake up in the morning, and be like, if it's still a good idea, he's like, okay, I'll use that. I heard he did that for uh, Glorious Bastards. Okay, he got high, and one of the ideas he wrote down was, I think I'll kill Hitler at the end. He wake up, <laughs> was like, yeah. I'm, I'm sick with that. That's a good idea. I'm, 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 yeah. <laughs> see, see now to, to answer Darcy's Darcy's question, what happens now is that my note app, which is where all the idea, the original ideas get stored, that gets like, you know, I'll write down the idea there. So then I'll be scrolling through like a few mornings later and go, what, what am I going to write today? And I'll see what the hell is this idea? And I'll click on it and go, this makes no sense. I go, let's look at the time of creation, 2.43 a.m. Yeah, we'll just get rid of that. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's done. So so when you were, uh, so when 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 you're actually like crafting crafting these shows, like like how how far along do you know, like when do you know it's time to take it to the stage? Because I, I will hit a point where I just go, I'm done. Like it, we've hit this point. Now we need to try it on stage. Like, how, like what's that feedback loop for you? Oh, it's, it's, it's fast for me. Like, uh, when I was starting in Chicago, once I had a few years and I kind of understood my writing process, mm-hmm. I would basically write three or four jokes, new jokes every week. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would, there's two places I would go to. One place was trace. The other one was heartland cafe. Okay. Uh, those polyrhythmic and in one ear, mm-hmm. these two, uh, they were mainly like poetry and music, but they had comedy too. So you had like a real audience. Okay. So I would try that week's jokes and I'd put them on stage immediately. Nice. And like, like for me, like, and some, I got kind of, you know, I get cocky at certain times. Like, Oh, I think I wrote great stuff. Then I'd be like on the train or driving to the, to the venue, think, looking at the jokes and I'd be like, okay, these two are good. These two suck. I'm never going to say. So that helped me kind of refine to be like, eventually I got better and better. I'm like, okay, usually I get two or three that were like worthy of doing again and trying to work out. So that was my process, but it's, it's immediate. It might be the day before, right. the, sometimes even the day of when I, I go on stage and do it. Right. I, I have, I, I, I hate this moment and it happens all the time. It's like when you go into like an open mic or something, you got like four new bits that you want to try, right? And you go and you try your four new bits, and then one of your buddies will come on and go, that third one is awesome. 
I go, thanks. Yeah. What'd you think of the other two? What, what'd you think of the other three? I said, the third one is awesome. I like, oh, okay. Yeah. I message received. Oh yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten plenty of that too, where like, even without that, I'll just be like, I might have a premise of something mm-hmm. and I'll just mention things like a one-liner and people come up to me like, you have to do more of that bit. Right. And I'm like, and I, I stopped asking them like you did, like, what about these other ones? If they mention it, that's enough for me. Obviously, the other stuff wasn't cutting it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the, that's the other thing I try and do, too, is like, like if I'm at an open mic or whatever, or like just any regular show. Like if someone comes off, I always try to like mm-hmm. compliment them on like, what's the best thing I liked about their set? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That said, there are some times when, you know, it's kind of like when you're, uh, when you're um, watching uh, cooking show judges judge the food um and they go this is a nice plate you sometimes are just left with that shirt's kind of cool and then you leave you know i I try to say as few compliments as possible yeah i just remember the one comedian i don't don't think she's even doing this is like probably well over a decade ago Mm -hmm. but this was one woman she was actually pretty funny but she for some reason she could not gauge the audience at all she was so wrapped up in her act she couldn't tell right and she asked me one time like how was my act and i was like oh this one thing you did on that part was good. She's like, oh, that w- that was good? What a-? She asked me, like, what about the rest? I'm like, I have no idea. Do you have your notes or something maybe I can look at? She's like, oh, no, I have no notes. I just go up there and start rambling. And I'm nope. like, I'm like <laughs> and I, nope. I told her, I was like, I don't know how you can do that unless you're like Robin Williams. Right. I don't know any comedian that can just kind of ramble on and find right. consistent, funny anything. Right. Was she yeah. consistently funny? No, it was, yeah, it was it was it was a complete hit and miss. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I can't really even give you advice on yeah. anything. Yeah. The uh, uh, when when I had a a um, a corporate job at the same time, I was I was doing stuff. One of the, one of the guys I was working with uh, found out that I was doing stand up, and he came from an improv background before he got into like you know tech and stuff. So he and I were having this great conversation about comedy, and one of our coworkers kind of breezed in, you know, you know, at, at least eight pints in. And uh, just goes, what are you guys talking about? Comedy? You guys think you're funny? He's like, well, yeah, actually, I kind of like I've done a few shows and stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I could do comedy. He's like, oh, this is good. It's like, so uh, I said, well, you should, you know what? I can set you up at an open mic. I can get you like five minutes, just write up some jokes. Yeah, I would probably just wing it. And I go, let me definitely set that up for you then. (laughs) Yeah. And let me tape it. And then I'm going to publish it on the new internet because then I will become a God among men. Yeah. And he backed out. He was like, of course. Yeah. As soon as he sobered up the next day, uh, yeah, I'm kind of too busy. You know, I'm kind of important. So yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was working at a construction job in the city Uh uh, and and like uh, we had these electricians from MJ electric. Okay. So one of them found out that I was doing, I I told no one at the job. No. I've been doing it for years. I didn't want anyone to know. And I'm, this is how old. I had a Blackberry and one of the guys in MJ, I forgot his name. He calls me up. He's like, Hey, how'd you, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. He's like, do you do comedy? I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, we just saw some clips of you on YouTube. <laughs> go to come over here. <laughs> so I had to go over to their trailer and talk to them for a little bit. And they're like, they were super cool about it. Like, we won't tell anyone you're all good. Right. We just have conversations about like family guy and other different, like with comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. But like, I, the, the idea that people know you do comedy is horrible at a oh, job. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. it can be horrible in life. Yeah. Because uh, when when I lived in Toronto, I guess we didn't tell you. It's like Darcy still lives in Toronto. I, I moved to Ottawa. So we're coming at you from two different Canadian cities. Darcy, take him. Oh. So uh, my butcher 
from around the from the, around the corner of where we lived. Um, mm-hmm. The entire butcher is Italian sons of this this main guy, right? And I married yeah. into an Italian family, so as soon as she walked in, royalty, and they're just like you know, bicky bag you know, talking, 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 talking. Mm-hmm. And I was just like the I was always the plus one, you know, just going in, getting some ground round out. I go and do this fundraiser show, which was horrible. It was horrible. They were supposed to have me on at eight. And I was like, eight o'clock is perfect, right? They're having, and so I get there and he said, uh, people are still having dinner. And I was like, oh, well, don't do that. No, I'll, I'll, yeah, no, no, yeah, I'll come in after. He's like, can you come back at nine? So I will come back at nine. No problem. And, uh, I go away and I come back at nine. Yeah. Still having dinner. I'm like, Okay, I don't know. I don't know how gradual this meal is, but cool. Okay, I will come back. Said, can you go ten? It's like, yeah, I can go ten. I'm only supposed to do like twenty minutes. I'm only okay. supposed to do twenty minutes. So far, I've been pushed out two hours. Yeah, go away, come back, and they're like, okay, I think we're gonna start at eleven because we still have people eating. I'm like, how is this fucking possible? Like, you know, yeah. And then out of nowhere comes my butcher. He goes. Todd, what are you doing here? I'm like, I might ask you the same question. He goes, yeah, I'm just here doing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here helping out the fundraiser, you know, getting a table for these people. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm performing. He goes, you do stand up? And I go, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And, um, there was like 12, 14 tables kind of all over the place. And, oh, so at 1115, they're still bringing out plates, still bringing out dinner plates with food on it. Um, and so people are eating still and they're like, well, we can't wait anymore before they bring me up two daughters of the, uh, organizers who are five and six go up before me and very sweetly yet creepily a la the twins from the shining, make sure you take part in the silent auction. And so now there's children now sitting in front of me at 1130 at night where I'm going to perform. Yeah. So I go about my business. The the butcher and his wife are laughing. I have one table at the back and the rest of them are going, send up the girls again because (laughs) this is not working. So I just finished my 20. I grabbed the check and I left. And so I ate it. Like, you know, I had like the one table that just went, oh, that was great because like, you know, they got it and everyone else was just like, what the hell was that? So rough night. And I know I'm going to have to face the music at some point in the butchers. I know. Right. And they're just, because they're Italian, they're going to, it's just going to be just dick punch after dick punch after dick punch. You know, I'm used to it from the in-laws. I'm now going to get it from the guy who serves me meat. So mm-hmm. I had done my best to kind of like avoid the butcher for a while. And then we turned the corner one day walking the dog and he's outside doing a sidewalk sale of things. And he sees us uh. and he goes, Hey, comedian. I'm like, Oh no, here it goes. <laughs> and my wife knows my wife. I, she already, I told her all this. So she's like, uh, you, you, let's go face Let's go face the music. And I get up to him. He goes, that was amazing. And I'm like, what show did you see? He goes, no, you had one table and us. Everyone else hated you, but you still did it. You still went on. It was amazing. It was so great. He's like, how long have you been? And now it just completely changed our relationship. Every time I showed up, he's like, hey, you got a joke for me? I got one for you. And he gives me a street joke and not unlike this show. And then, you know, I would oh. have to every time. So now every time I go in, I got to go armed with a street joke. So street I know joke, that. Yeah. 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 
Have you have you ever had sort of like a bombing night that kind of went well? Like 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 one of those just shows that just went outrageously poor, but you still go, God damn it, that was a win. Uh yes, and I had two that were like they were good only because of, of what I was paid. Okay. Um, one of them was one of my first corporate gig, oh. which I it was a holiday party, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a Christian event. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know until I got there in Holland, Michigan, was that me and the other other guy we found out both found out, and this is a Jewish guy. We found out they were born again Christians. Okay. And I had like my second joke was about ass hair. <laughs> It was a whole joke, like that, you know, saying like, "Oh God, God doesn't make mistakes." What about ass hair? Who ever said, "Thank God for all this ass hair"? And I remember the woman in the front grabbing my Jewish buddy who set up the event. Like, is it going to be more like this with his whole act? <laughs> and my guy Rick, Rick had to tap me. It was like, it was like he's went like this. Like you need to stretch. It out. And, 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 and like veer a little more PG. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm like ass hair really through these people right like I so but but we got we got a nice check got the heck out of there right uh the other one was it was a university of illinois uh black college reunion so it was like graduating classes from like the 80s 90s and maybe early 2000s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think that was a few thousand people or whatever right right, right. and it was the week obama was elected okay and what they hated every joke i was only doing like 10 minutes for like maybe 800 bucks they hated every joke to the point where I had to end every joke by saying, what about Obama, though? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I had to wait outside a while for my check. Um, and while I was waiting, like people came out and saw me. And this one guy was like, we thought you were trying to be like the anti-comedy. I was like, no, that's that's not a thing. That's not, that's not a thing at all. Uh, but once again, once I, once I got the check, I got in my car uh-huh. right there back home. So I was like, it was okay. <laughs> um, I have a I have a, a a joke that I'm currently working on. It's it's very much about born again Christians. Because I grew up in a Christian household, like my dad was a minister, so like I kind of grew up kind of on the ground floor of Christian, but uh I, I I'm more interested in the born again Christians. Like I like Christians with a backstory. Like oh. how bad were you drowning that you needed someone to throw you a line, right? Like yeah. before you opened your heart to the Lord, tell us about how you were opening your mouth behind a dumpster so you could get cocaine money. Let's hear about that. <laughs> Let's hear about that. That's good. I like that. All right. Well, here. <laughs> There we are. Okay, so that that sound, Haji, is uh, is the uh, the sound that brings us into our segment where you, the guest, get to tell us your favorite street joke. And uh, this is uh, as well. This is where we would also have uh, anyone. We didn't have any this week, but uh, if you, the listener, have a joke that you want us to tell on the air, you can do so. You can send it to jokes at oshopod.com. Uh, it can be dirty or clean. No isms, no obias. That's the rules. Um, Haji, I should always ask the guests this. Do you even like street jokes? I don't know if I actually have any. Okay. But I like to hear them every once in a while. All right. Okay. Yeah. If you don't have one. We have you covered. Okay. All right. Do you do you have anything? Uh, do you have anything at all? I, 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 I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I I love it when the guests sound. They're trying to pull a joke, and it sounds like they're taking a dump. Like it's yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> this this one is topical, and uh, I I, uh, I I came across it today, 
And uh, I'm going to warn you, it's a little political. All right. Okay. And uh, so this Ukrainian is walking along the beach, right? He's just immigrated to, uh, to Florida. He's just walking around. And he finds this, this, this lamp. He starts rubbing the lamp and a genie pops out. And he goes, you have released me from the lamp. You will get three wishes. And the Ukrainian thinks, and he goes, okay, my first wish, I want Genghis Khan to be reincarnated along with all of his Mongol hordes. And the, uh, the genie goes, okay, yeah, up, 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 up. And I want him to march to the Ukrainian border and take a look at the Ukraine and go, no, this is not worth it for us. And then turn around and return to where he started. It's like, okay, done. We'll have that done for you tomorrow. What's your next wish? My second wish is that Genghis Khan is reincarnated with all of his Mongol hordes and he marches to the Ukrainian border, says we do not want to, anything to do with this and then returns to where he came from. And the genie goes, oh, okay, that sounds very similar, but okay, sure. He goes, what is your third wish? And he goes, I wish Genghis Khan to be reincarnated along with his Mongol hordes and to march to the Ukrainian border and go, no, I want nothing to do with this and then march back to where he returned. And the genie goes, okay, I'll do that. That's three times. Why do you want that to happen? And the Ukrainian goes, so that Genghis Khan has to march through Russia six times. (laughs) (laughs) I also saw this one, another genie joke. And uh, not as political. Not as political. Okay. Same beach in Florida. Cokehead finds a bottle. Opens it up. So the genie pops out and goes... You have three wishes. And uh, the cokehead goes, great. I want to do a line of cocaine with you. And so the genie goes, okay. And he creates two lines of cocaine. And they both take a line of cocaine and goes, okay, what is your second wish? And the uh, the cokehead goes, yeah, let's do another line of cocaine. And so the genie goes, okay. And he gets two lines of cocaine and they snort the cocaine. The genie goes, okay, uh, what do you want for your third wish? And uh, the cokehead goes, you know what I feel like? Another line of cocaine. So he gets out two lines, and they both snort the cocaine. And the genie goes, okay, what do you want for your next wish? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's good. Love it. Love That's it. Sweet. Yeah. yeah not, not unlike drone strikes, the, uh, the, the Ukrainian one has limited range. But I think that one's a little more, oh. that one's a little more uniform. Yeah. Haji, where, where can people find you online? And what have you got coming up in the next little while that people can, uh, can come out and see you at? Uh, you can find me online on Instagram usually or Twitter at Outlaw Haji. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, uh, you can find me there. Um, I'm trying to think of any gigs. I don't have any stand up lined up. I just finished up some dates, um, but I do have a collection of short stories, a new collection coming out. Uh, should be up early next year. Uh, it's called Candlelight Dinners uh, in the Devil's Comedy Store. So they're all dark comedy short stories. Candlelight you know, dinners. Amazon. Sorry, candlelight dinners in the what? Candlelight dinners in the Devil's Comedy Store. Okay, that you know what? Why? Why does Missy Shore get hurt in that? Why? Eh, just right. <laughs> <laughs> um, can people pre-order this? Yeah, the pre-order will probably be up in probably because just went to editor December January. Okay, no, no. November, December, next month, next okay. month or the month after. We will uh, we will point people towards your socials uh, so they can find that. And then if the link comes up uh, when this is released, we will throw it into the show notes. Uh, but otherwise, okay. people people will see you there. Haji, fantastic having you. You're welcome here anytime. Appreciate it. Thank you. It was a fun time. No yeah. trubs. 
All right. Cool. Bring a joke next time. Yes. Bring a joke, I'll jerk. Come on, joke. I'll bring a joke. <laughs> I'll bring a street joke next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to OK So Here's One, a podcast celebrating street jokes. Thank you to Haji Outlaw for sitting there and listening to my jokes. Uh, not bad, though. You know, we will get the guests up to speed normally, but uh, hey, 20 episodes in, this is our first falter. That's fine. You can follow him on Instagram at Outlaw Haji. Make sure you pre order his book, uh, Candlelight Dinner in the Devil's Comedy Store. You can find 23 seasons of our previous podcast, Comedy of the Pub, that feature many comics. Uh, that you have and have not heard from this show. You can find those at Comedy Above the Pub or wherever fine podcasts are available. If you like this show, please tell your friends, like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on, and we ask you to do what we did in the old days. Leave us a five-star review, but talk shit about us in the commentary. Five stars, talk shit about us in the commentary. The show is produced by Darcy Finder. Our music is done by Larry Bryant. Artwork is done by Wojtek Arkaszewski. And if you have a joke you want us to tell on air... Send it to us. It can be dirty or clean, just not racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, or xenophobic, or as we say, no isms, no obias. Send your joke to jokes at oshopod.com. That's jokes at oshopod.com, which stands for OK, so here's one pod. You can send questions or comments about the show to show at oshopod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at oshopod. You can follow me personally on the same platforms at heyitstva underscore needed for Instagram. Uh, for my upcoming live performances, and there are going to be a few, you can check out my calendar at heyitstva.com slash, well, calendar. You can join our Patreon for $3 a month and get the full, raw, unedited video feed that we use to make the shows from, as well as bonus perks and extra jokes. You can do so at patreon.com slash oshopod. I'm Tavin Allen. On behalf of Haji, the no longer erstwhile Darcy, and myself, thank you for listening to OK So Here's One. Jimmy, Bobby, Monty, you are always the podcast. <laughs>